Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm gonna show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Premed Year, session number 428. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. And welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a fun episode for you today, a recording that myself and the MAPT team, which includes Rachel Grubbs, my co-founder at MAPT, as well as Dr. Scott Wright, the former director of admissions at UT Southwestern. If you don't know what MAPT is, I just want to confirm that the name is MAPT. I hear a lot of you calling it MAPD, uh, but the name is MAPT, as in M-A-P-P-E-D, but without the E in terms of our brand and our website. It is the roadmap to medical school, the platform that helps you track everything that you're doing as a pre-med, help you reflect on everything that you're doing as a pre-med, help you track all of your courses, your MCAT scores, and even now you can start working on your personal statement, extracurriculars, et cetera, et cetera, all right inside of MAPT. And you can even add your pre-med advisor from your university. All you have to do is click on the advisor tab, add a new advisor, and send uh, put their email in. It'll send them an email to have them sign up for MAPT, and they get read-only access to all of your data to improve your communication with your advisor, to improve your meetings with your advisor, and much more. We're excited for what's to come on MAPT. Go check it out, mapped.com, and enjoy this Clubhouse recording. If you're not on Clubhouse, it is uh, an amazing new platform that I love because I love audio. Uh, Obviously, I'm here on the podcast, and uh, Clubhouse is basically live podcast recordings happening all the time, except for the most part, they're not recorded. Uh, I recorded it. You you can record the rooms if you let people know that you're recording. 
But because I love creating podcasts and I love audio, we recorded an episode on Clubhouse that you're going to take a listen to. Tons of great questions, lots of thought process about if you're preparing for an interview or for the application this coming cycle, what to start to be thinking about, and much more. If you're not on Clubhouse yet, go sign up, go reserve your name, and try to get an invite. Typically, if you're following me, on social media, on Twitter more specifically, I believe uh, if you sign up, I can see that you've signed up and I can potentially add you a little bit sooner. It's a wait list only uh, thing right now. So go sign up. We're going to have regular clubhouse rooms on Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Friday's 11 a.m. Eastern. The plan is to go live with a pre-med hangout Q&A um, on Clubhouse. Go check it out. And let's go ahead and jump in to our episode today. So my name is Dr. Ryan Gray. For those of you who don't know me, I've, uh, I'm a physician by training um, and started a podcast, The Pre-Med Years, eight years ago now. And um, and now do, no longer practice medicine. I had some health issues. I did a YouTube video about it, left medicine, and now write books and talk to pre-med students about getting into medical school. I'm on faculty at the University of Colorado School of Medicine and uh, get to hang out with students over there every once in a while. Though with COVID, I haven't, haven't made it down to campus in a while. And I'm also the co-founder of MAPT with my friend Rachel here, who I'll let uh, introduce herself. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. Hi, everyone. I'm Rachel. My uh, full name is Rachel Grubbs, and I am a co-founder of the MAPT uh, pre-med platform. So I have been helping pre-meds on their path to medical school for just about 20 years now. Um, started specifically in MCAT prep, so I still know a lot of that, a lot about test prep and how to manage MCAT prep, but I've done a lot of advising, especially in the last five or six years. So really anything throughout the pre-med process um, from, you know, identifying being pre-med to the coursework you're taking um, to, you know, the various activities that are required. Those are all things I know a lot about and I'm happy to help anyone listening with today. Awesome. Thanks, Rachel. And uh, Dr. Wright just joined the room. Dr. Wright's first time. Rachel's first time on Clubhouse as well, as far as I know. Um, This is uh, Scott Wright. (laughs) Dr. Scott Wright. Scott Wright. We were just introducing ourselves. Uh, Ryan went and I went. So um, if you want to just chime in and let our listeners know a little bit about your background, I'm sure they'd love to know who you are. Oh, absolutely. Hi, everybody. This is... uh, my name is Dr. Scott Wright. I am uh, one of the uh, uh, people that work with MAPT, uh, uh, along with Dr. Gray and, and dear Rachel Grubbs, and uh, we um, we we uh, work together. I my background is that I was uh, the director of admissions at UT Southwestern Med School in Dallas for quite a while, and. Uh, ran all the admissions process there. I was also associate dean and director of all the pre-med uh, programming at University of Texas at Dallas. And then uh, until coming to MAPT, I was the executive director of the Texas Application Service for Medical, Dental, and Veterinary Schools. And uh, so I've been all around the block in terms of medical education and the admissions process. And uh, so now I'm working with MAPT and do a lot of advising and uh, 
a lot of uh, stuff that's really exciting. So that's that's who I am. All right. Again, everyone, uh, the room is open. You can raise your hand if you want. Um, we're here to answer anything and everything related to medical school, the MCAT, um, being a physician I can obviously speak on. So raise your hand if you would like to. Uh, come up and ask a question. Let's let's start, Dr. Wright, with um, kind of where we're at right now in terms of uh, the application process for for what's coming up um, here in May and June. Is is what students should start to be thinking about if they're applying this cycle? Yeah, at this point, can everybody hear me? Okay, is this is yep. this good? I plugged in my uh, headset. Okay, so. <clears throat> You know, at this point in the process, if you're applying this coming cycle, really uh, right now, depending on what you're doing with the MCAT, if you've already taken the MCAT, obviously that's water under the bridge. But if you're um, if you haven't taken the MCAT uh, and you plan to take it in the spring or early summer, then that's a, a chief concern, obviously. And then uh, I, I usually suggest that in January, uh, students start working on their personal statement. And uh, that that's a that's one of the big big uh, things that most applicants struggle with uh, off, often in terms of uh, trying to get their wrap their head around what do I say and how do I do this and and uh, my first suggestion for students is to read your read the uh, book on the personal statement written by my colleague and friend Dr. Ryan Gray and uh, that that will give you a good overview of what the personal statement is all about. And my hope is that by, by mid February uh, to early March, you students will have, have a, a good, if not a final draft, a pretty close to a final draft of their personal statement ready uh, so that they can start asking for um, letters of recommendation. That's the other thing that you can start doing in the spring is uh, identifying who you want to ask for letters of recommendation from and uh, and begin to let them know that you're going to be asking them soon for a letter and that you'll send them some information. I like it when you uh, when applicants offer to their letter writers uh, a copy of their personal statement, maybe a resume that they've uh, kept track of. And then uh, the AAMC, the Association of American Medical Colleges, has a really great um, letter of recommendation guidelines document. Uh, it's kind of a little brochure type thing uh, that you can also give to your letter writer. And it basically tells them how to write uh, an appropriate letter for med school, uh, what it should include and, and how, to, how to go about doing that. You can find this document if you'll just, if you'll just uh, Google double AMC, that's AAMC uh, letter of recommendation guidelines and you'll find it uh, on their website pretty easily. It's a PDF, you can download it. You can uh, email that along with your resume and a, and a copy of your personal statement. So you can, that's another thing that you can begin doing this spring is preparing those letter writers for uh, the fact that you're gonna be asking them and then also uh, getting uh, the information to them once you've got that uh, available uh, for them. So there are some things that you can do uh, right away that will, put you on the on a good time schedule for being ready to actually fill out the application once it opens uh, in May and then submit uh, at least AMCAS wise uh, submit in uh, in June early June 
Awesome. Thank you for that. Um, Gabrielle, you, you're first up here on the stage. And for everyone else joining, welcome. We are recording, so if you're okay with that, uh, you can raise your hand. We're here to uh, uh, answer any of your pre-med questions. Hello. So I have a question. Um, I had already prepared my personal statement um, pretty much way before COVID started. So my question is, seeing that I probably won't put in an application till next cycle, should I probably reconstruct my personal statement, seeing that whole pandemic is going around yeah. and um, all of that jazz? Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't want to turn in something. I was like, wait a minute, something, nothing happened during a pandemic? What's going on? And so I just want to know, should I start over and just kind of include that in my personal statement somehow, or it would it be fine the way I have it now? Dr. Wright, I'll let you take that one. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think it sounds to me like, you know, the, the, the personal statement really is about telling your story, uh, about telling the story of your journey into medicine, where that started for you, where that's, and, you know, how it occurred, how it played out, and the things that you found meaningful uh, in that process of discovering that you want to be a physician and kind of why you uh, want to do that and what, what that's all about for you. So a lot of that story is going to be pretty clear, um, but it sounds to me like, uh, Gabrielle, that, um, that, you know, you, you did it pretty early before you're going to so what I would say is, is the likelihood is that you've got a good, uh, a good start on your personal statement. What you, now, you said you're going to start, you're going to apply not this cycle, but next cycle. Is that right? Yes. Um, okay. I, I want to um, kind of dibble a dabble and um, start over and retake in the MCAT, which is a, another question that I had. Like, I've taken it and um, I was um, advised um, that it really wasn't my content that wasn't, um, and I don't want to kind of throw us off, but I, this is just the second part of my question. Sure. Just how should I um, go by starting over with um, studying for the MCAT again? Because I'm like, I'm so lost because I want my score to be um, a little better competitive than what it was. Yeah. Um, and so I'm yeah. like, okay, I have my personal statement and then I got to retake the MCAT. So where do I yeah. say, how do I fix this? Yeah. So let me, let me address the MCATs. I mean, the um, personal statement stuff. And then I think it'd be probably good that either Dr. Gray or, or Rachel can, uh, can address the MCAT stuff. But um, I think in terms of the personal statement, I would go ahead and just keep it the way it is for now. Don't, don't spend any more time with the, with your personal statement. And by this time next year, uh, you're going to have another year under your belt and you're going to be, uh, it, it could well be that there will be events that will happen to you maybe that did this year or that maybe will over the coming year that you're going to want to put in your personal statement. And so I would say, stay with what you've got for now. I would just kind of put it over to the side, uh, let it sit and, and ruminate on it. And then, uh, and then this time next year, you can pick it back up and see if you're still comfortable with it and if there's any uh, new things that you want to add to it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then to the, to the more to the the question, and I think uh, maybe uh, Ryan, you or Rachel might want to address that. 
Yeah, I'll let Rachel yeah, I tackle can chime it. In. Um, so you're taking the MCAT again, and sorry, you might have said this, but I want to make sure I heard you. When did you take it last? Last May. Last May. Okay, so I always want to be really respectful about this kind of stuff because obviously if you're looking to retake it, you want to do a little better. So I know the score wasn't what you dreamed. One question I have for you is were you surprised by the score you got? Um, I want to say yes, mainly because um, I made sure that I um, didn't take the test until I was getting over uh, what my my dream score was on the practice exams. Okay, and I believe um, it could be a, a factor of a lot of things. I do have a lot of test anxiety, yeah. and then I wasn't feeling well at all, and I probably shouldn't have went and taken the test. Okay, and it caused a lot because even I had did a consult with. Um, the testing company to get a tutor and she also said when well, she looked at my scores like it doesn't sound like it was a contact issue it just sound like um something else went wrong uh, it could have definitely been an air like you not feeling well and then there also was um a glitch where the computers went down for a minute and then no. they could give us our time back so i think that heightened my anxiety a lot so i don't know if that played a factor in it but i still want to treat it as I can still just treat it as I can do better in the content and all those things. So I'm like, should I just start over? Should I just go straight to just doing practice questions and then wherever I like maybe take a diagnostic test and then start from yeah. there yeah. or yeah, that's, that's just where I'm trying to. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, here, here's the weird good news. It's I'm really sorry you had a bad day, right? That you weren't feeling well, that you had anxiety, that then you had a test glitch that heightened your anxiety. But that's all a good sign because it indicates, like you said, if you were scoring at your at your goal score on practice tests, then you probably can do that again if you have a better test day. Um, and because it's been a year, I mean, I know it's not quite a year, but it'll be nearly a year by the time like you take the exam. Um, you, you probably are going to have to some degree just start over, right? It's you, you probably lost some of that content yeah. that you had worked hard on. Um, but yeah, to your point, if you can take a diagnostic or depending on what prep company you're using, I know some of them have like content diagnostics to help you sort of distinguish a content gap from a critical reading and, and critical thinking gap. Um, you know, because if there's content that you're pretty solid on, you don't want to spend eight hours reviewing that chapter if you can like you know, some of those chapters have questions at the end. So again, you know, your, your mileage may vary, check your prep company, but if they've got one of those end of chapter quizzes, that's about the chapter and you get an 80% on it, I would probably move on, <laughs> you know? Um, so you could think about prioritizing your time that way. And then because you have some anxiety with your testing, I mean, again, I'm giving kind of general advice here because like we'd have to really deep dive into your situation to be able to get into specifics. But I would say do everything you can to simulate the real testing experience. Now this year that's hard. And I mean, last year too, right? Cause there's that added layer of like COVID anxiety, but thinking about time of day when you take the test, having it match the time that your test is. Um, it's hard. I know to test in public right now and, and non COVID years, I tell people to go take tests in public libraries, which isn't even always possible right now. But um 
you know, you don't want to be in your comfy PJs unless you plan on wearing those PJs to the test center, right? Like, so, you know, you kind of, you want to think about like, where am I sitting and how is the lighting and what time of day is it? And what food did I put in my belly? Because some of what you're trying to do is physically train yourself for that experience. And none of that is as important as good MCAT prep, but I'm mentioning it because you mentioned some anxiety for you. That's going to matter a lot because you want to have taken you know, four or five or maybe even six or eight or 10. I mean, it just depends, but enough practice tests that when you go in on test day, you can be like, this is just another practice test day. I've done this, you know, and like really feel that physical experience of, you know, like, I don't know if you're like me, I can't have too big of a breakfast when I'm nervous. Right. (laughs) Like, so like figure out like how much can I eat to fuel my body for the day that's, you know, but not be sick. And like figure all that out in your practice test experience so that the test day, that stuff isn't top of mind because you've got it covered. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, good luck. Awesome. Thanks, Gabrielle. Uh, Courtney, we'll take you next. And again, we are recording. So if you're not okay with that, then go ahead and put your hand down. If you want to come up, ask some questions. The room is open. Come up and ask some questions. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. Um, My question relates to, uh, I guess, preparedness for applying this cycle. Um, I'm one of the older pre-meds, and I spent uh, the last eight years mainly working um, and volunteering in Asia. And I've been practicing um, for the MCAT um, and planning on applying this cycle. Um, But my question revolves around, so because I came from a different um, background, I never took my science prerequisites. And when I started studying for the MCAT, I basically just self-studied and self-taught myself the content using different free resources out there. Um, So as of now, I've taken my sixth um, practice MCAT and I'm scoring where I would like to around 518. um, And I'm planning on possibly this fall, taking the uh, this summer and this fall, taking my science prerequisite courses, but I wanted to apply without them um, with just my MCAT score, hopefully again, scoring around where I am on the practice exams, but without the actual uh, prerequisites done. And also in addition to that, um, because I came back to the States last year, right before uh, COVID started. Um, And so I haven't had any opportunities to get actually any uh, in-person shadowing or clinical experience in the States. I do have some experience um, when I was in China uh, doing some clinical volunteering work there, but nothing, you know, stateside. Um, So if I were to apply this year, it would be applying basically with just my current academic record and my MCAT score, but without any clinical in-person experience outside of the uh, virtual shattering that um, Dr. Uh, Gray provides, um, and but nothing like in-person. And then also that leads into the whole letters recommendation question, because I don't have any, again, clinical experience here that I could uh, ask a uh, physician for a letter recommendation or a science professor, because I haven't taken any science prerequisite courses. So I'm wondering, uh, what your advice would be for me. Should I wait another year um, and try to get those things done or would it be semi-okay to apply uh, this cycle? Dr. Wright, go ahead. 
Wow. Well, <laughs> let me think of where to start. Um, well, to just, you know, cutting to the chase, uh, from what you've described to me, I think you should wait a year. Um, just, just to be bluntly honest. Um, I'm, I'm a little, I'm, I'm pretty concerned that even if you have a strong MCAT score, if you have no background in a science classroom, then that's going to be a red flag for some, some medical schools, perhaps a lot of them. I think, uh, I think that's a big, uh, big issue, uh, for you. Uh, you have to have those classes before you matriculate. Uh, at medical school. And so um, I'm a little skeptical that you're going to be able to even pick up all of those classes. Um, chemistry is the, the thing that really delays things, because if you're going to have to have a uh, uh, couple of semesters of general <laughs> chemistry, at least one semester of organic chemistry and a semester of biochemistry, uh, trying to get all of that done along with biology and physics in one at one academic year, uh, I think is a little unrealistic. Um, so that's the first thing. Uh, the second issue is the clinical. And I know you said you've got some clinical stuff, uh, in China, but you know, one of the things that they're going to be looking at is is that you're going to be going to the med, going to medical school in the U.S. You're going to be doing residency and you're going to be doing clinical stuff in the U.S. If you have no experience in the U.S. healthcare system uh, with U.S. doctors, you know, shadowing clinical experience, uh, et cetera, then that could also be pr a pretty big f red flag for uh, medical schools to say, this guy, we're not real clear that he knows what he's getting into. Um, or, or whatever. So I would just say, um, just think about that in terms of how you want to move forward. Uh, but my, I'm a little skeptical that this year is a wise year for you to apply. I think maybe the following year or even giving yourself, depending on if you can fit all those prerequisite classes into the, um, into the, the, uh, uh, into one academic year, uh, I'm a little, you know, as I said, a little skeptical about that. So I, I, my recommendation would be you're pushing it to try to apply this year. And I would say you'd be a much better applicant next year. Yeah, I'll, I'll chime in on that. Um, the Courtney, if you go watch, if, you, if you've watched any of my YouTube videos, some of the application renovation videos, some of the early ones that really took off were the ones that students were really shocked about, right? The, the whole like clickbaity title of having a 517 and congrats on your score. You crushed it. Um, the, the having a, having an amazing score, an amazing GPA just isn't enough because medical schools want to know that you understand what you're getting yourself into. Right. And, and there's this whole myth around the, the clinical experience and shadowing being required for the schools, but it's really required for you so that you're, you're not making a $200,000 mistake going to medical school and then coming out going, well, this is nothing like Grey's Anatomy. So um, <laughs> I, I agree with, uh, with Dr. Wright about uh, probably taking some time off, getting that clinical experience under your belt, proving to yourself that this is what you want. And then that will come through in your personal statement and all of your essays and interview, hopefully. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Mercy.
Yeah, so I think Mercy's up next. Yep. Mercy, if you, if you want to unmute. And if Mercy can't come... Oh, there she is. Hi, I'm here. All right. Hello? Yeah, hello, Mercy. Again, we are recording, so if you're not okay with that, go ahead and raise your... Put your hand down, uh, but go ahead, Mercy. Oh, hi. Um, hi, Dr. Gray. I'm in your application academy, but I haven't been able to attend live because um, my schedule... Um, but anyways, I'm a non-traditional student, and I have um, prereqs that um, they are like uh, more than ten years old. Um, even though I did um, get a master's in biomedical sciences um, recently, as recent as 2015. I still feel like this um, classes, especially like the with the um, the biochemistry um, and physics classes are like the pre med classes are kind of old. Um, should I be consigned with regards to applying with those? I do have a lot of clinicals because I'm an RN right now, and I've been a nurse for more than ten years. Um, so I'm good with that, but I just I'm consigned with the how old my um, pre-med classes are. You got it. Dr. I, what do you think? Yeah, I definitely think that there's a reason for concern for you. Um, now, have you taken MCAT yet or no, or you've begun studying for that? Where, you're, where um, are you on that? I'm going to be retaking it um, sometime in April or May. Okay, okay. Well... There's a lot of medical now. Is is it been how long has it been since you've been in any classes at all? I finished my master's 2016. Okay, so it's been almost five years, even since then. Yes. Okay, so my feeling is that um, that's going to be a little bit of a concern for medical schools that it's been you've been out of the classroom for so long, okay. uh, and. Um, I think the the what I would do now when you took the prerequisites years ago, did you do pretty well in them? Um, my science GPA is um, three point eight ish. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, what you may want to do is, um, uh, I, if I were you, let me think about this. Um, I would probably go and take, uh, try to pick up a, a couple of upper level uh, biological science classes um, at your local college or university. And, uh, um, you know, that's going to that's gonna tell, particularly if you can do well in those, like let's say in the fall, that's going to tell medical schools that you really have the, that you still have the ability to sit in the classroom and do well and uh, and um, uh, pull you know pull good grades and stuff like that. Um, I think it's since it's been really five years by the by the time you matriculated to medical school, it's going to be six years since you've been a student. And uh, it, you know it, it is um, you know being a student is is different than you know kind of what the workaday world is like in in some ways, and so. I'm just thinking, uh, I, in my experience, uh, admissions officers are a little bit leery of somebody if it's been that long since they've been in the classroom. 
So taking an upper division biology, what what classes would you suggest? Though I would say I would say like micro or bi or biochemistry, uh, immunology. Because um, I did I did take um, biochemistry in my masters and <laughs> virology and um, <laughs> genetics and mm. all that. So right. right. I wouldn't like know like yeah. what now, other classes. Are you take. are you do you live fairly close by a, a pretty large university? Yeah, I live in Austin. I'm close to UT Austin. Oh, I live in Austin too. Well, hey neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> How funny is that? <laughs> That's hilarious. What did you, what are the chances of that? I know. Um, so I would say uh, so do you work are you in are in a hospital or in a in a in a clinical set uh, in a, Yeah, in I work clinic. with St. David's. Oh yeah, awesome at the main the main St. David's? The main standard, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I, well, that's so cool. Well, yeah, I mean, I would say try to go pick up a class or two at, at UT. Um, okay. They'll have, they'll have, and even if you had to branch out into neuroscience, um, you know, in order to get some classes that you haven't had before, um, I would say, uh, but if you, if you were able to pick, you know, at a school like UT Austin, you'll, they'll have a lot of options that you haven't had before. And, okay. uh, and you'll be able to find something. So would you advise me applying this year or? Um, well, a little bit of that depends on the MCAT score, I think, frankly. Okay. Um, now you said this is your second time to take it? Yeah, the, the first one was, yeah, the first one was terrible. So. Okay. Yeah, I would say, um, I would say I would let that dictate let the MCAT dictate that a little bit. If, if there's not okay. a pretty notable improvement over that uh, score that you got, then, then I would say um, delaying a year might be, might be wise. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you're welcome neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks mercy. You cracked me <laughs> Thank up. You, mercy. Oh man, uh, Claire, you are up on the stage again. Just a reminder, we are recording. Hello, everybody. I hope everyone is doing well. And first and foremost, I want to thank you guys for hosting this room. Um, so I actually have two questions. So I just for some context, I am a very non-traditional student. I just recently graduated from my university, and um, I graduated with a sociology major. However, I changed my so my major from biomedical laboratory sciences to sociology, I believe my second year of college due to, you know, my GPA, you know, I was going through a lot of things at the time and my GPA was plummeting. So I changed it to sociology just to kind of, you know, try something new and then also save, save it. And then, you know, over the course of time, I wasn't necessarily sure if I wanted to pursue medicine. Um, okay. but then once I started shadowing and, you know, I started kind of getting back into the groove of things and I started retaking, um, a few of the science courses that I already took. So I didn't take all the science prereqs, but I took probably like three or four. So, um, I would be, you know, I graduated with my sociology degree and so I'm an extremely non-traditional student and I would, um, be considered a career changer. So um, I guess my first question is regarding um, post-bac. So I am looking to 
um, applied a few post-bac programs to kind of complete my um, prerequisites and then also kind of gain some more experiences and then also um, to prepare for the MCAT. I'm currently writing my personal statement and I, you know, um, I kind of went through writing every um, as far as why I wanted to become a doctor and, you know, what I saw within that field um, due to my own personal experiences and my own story. But I feel like I have a lot, I have multiple whys, you know, and a lot of them are not relative to each other, but they all kind of work towards a common, you know, the common goal of wanting to become a doctor and the reason why I want to. And I just kind of wanted to first ask, um, what would be your advice as far as structuring your personal statement when you have multiple whys, because what I don't want to run into is having all these whys and, you know, just kind, I don't want to confuse the reader and I just want to make sure that everything kind of flows and it's clear and concise. And I think that's the thing that's kind of, you know, been allowing me to procrastinate writing this personal statement just because I just don't know how to necessarily structure it. So if there are any insights, please. Well, I'll take this one since, uh, Claire, if you didn't know, I have a whole book that I wrote about how to write a personal statement. Oh, and, wow. okay. and so, um, and, and if you would like a PDF copy, um, just shoot me an email and I'll send you a PDF copy of it so you can get started. Um, the, the, the way that I set up uh, how to write a personal statement, the whole goal is around why you want to be a physician. So you're on the right track there. Um, in terms of having multiple whys, really the way that I teach how to write a personal statement is all about finding that seed, the, the moment where you were intrigued enough to go, hmm, like, let me go check out this healthcare thing. Maybe it wasn't specifically around being a physician. Maybe it was nurse and PPA, whatever. Um, I've even had students that their seed is being a vet, um, going to veterinary school. And then all of a sudden they're like, no, human medicine is, is where I want to be. Um, and then once you tell that story around kind of that first exposure, and for a lot of people, it's going to be very common things. And, and don't be worried about it being cliche because if it's your story then it's not cliche and so common things are like personal illness personal injury family illness family injury right all those kind of common things that we see out there in the world and then what you do from there is then you you help highlight for the reader which is why we were talking to uh the student earlier about delaying a year and going and getting clinical experiences you you go and you highlight some of those experiences very specific experiences um, in that activity where you are confirming to yourself that this is what you want, right? That one patient where you left the room and like your fist pumping, like, yes, that was amazing. I can't wait till I can do this. And I'm the one doing that thing. And right. I, I'm sure we, you've had that feeling. I've had that feeling back in the day. Um, and you highlight those experiences to show the reader who you are and, and why you're doing this to confirm to yourself and confirm to them that this is what you want. Yes, most definitely. That all made complete sense. And I will definitely shoot you an email as far as the PDF. So thank you very much for that. Yeah, you're welcome. Any um, and I guess my second question is in regards to, um, you know, after post-bac. So um, let me see if I can formulate this question um, as clear as I can. So 
Um, given back to the context of um, my undergrad experience, I graduated with a, you know, with a low GPA. Um, it was very low um, regarding my um, first few semesters. And then once I kind of got to the end of my undergrad experience, it was a complete, you know, it was a miraculous 180. So I was four pointing on my courses and there was definitely an extreme upward trend as far as my grades. So I have that under my belt. However, you know, I can't get the concept of the low um, GP out of my, you know, just kind of out of my head space. And then also I I have shadowing experiences and right now I am currently volunteering in a hospital. I do patient transport. However, I kind of also kind of, I psych myself out as far as whether or not I have enough clinical experiences. So I guess my question is, um, and this might, you know, be kind of a little, I don't know, but uh, what are some things that I can, I should focus on to kind of offset um, the low GPA from my undergrad experiences, you know, from post back and beyond so that I can become, you know, attractive to more medical schools. Cause I just don't want to, I don't want my undergrad GPA, um, to kind of prevent me gaining, um, interview acceptances. Um, I know as far as clinical experiences that I can always gain some and I am gaining some right now. So there's that, but I just kind of wanted to know what are some moves that I can current, you know, that I can make from now until I'm ready to apply. The dreaded trends. We love talking about trends. Dr. Scott, you want to, Dr. Scott, Dr. Wright, you want to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's very encouraging, uh, Claire, that you have, um, an upward trend, and that's 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 a, a very good start. I think that'll be noticeable uh, to the uh, to the medical schools, and I think your post back GPA is going to be crucial because the it sounds like that the the class when you the upward trend you're talking about are, are primarily, if not exclusively, um, uh, non science classes, and so the sci the the science classes that you have are probably from your from the days when you weren't doing as well and, and you get into the non-sciences and you're doing a lot better, probably um, a, most of that is because of maturity and focus and stuff like that. But the medical schools really are going to want to see uh, the post-bac experience that you have and to, and to confirm that the, the level of um, the level of, of, uh, Ex, uh, of uh, excellence that you were showing in the classes that you were taking in the end of your college experience are going to be the same level of performance that you're going to have in the post-bac classes in the science classroom. And so I think the, so the answer to your question is yes. If you, if you, if you crush a, uh, a post-bac program and really do super well in it and have that upward uh, trend, I think they're going to pay attention to that. The MCAT score is also going to help confirm in the minds of the admissions committees that you're really a um, that the the uh, upward trend is a is a is a real thing and and they're going to take notice of that and so I would really say that the post spec experience that you're going to have is going to be going to be crucial and uh, that this is uh, that they will pay attention to that and not as much to your overall GPA or those first year or two. Uh, in college initially. 
Most definitely. Thank you guys so, so much. I will definitely Absolutely. put my thoughts on this. Thank you. Yeah, great. Awesome. I think we have time for one more question. If you're in the room, you want to raise your hand, ask a question. Um, if not, we can kind of wrap up. Uh, if you are new to us, to, to me, again, my, my name is Dr. Ryan Gray. I run medicalschoolhq.net. Uh, where I have lots of podcasts, YouTube videos, um, <laughs> books that I've written, as I was mentioning earlier. You can find that everything at medicalschoolhq.net on Medical School HQ and all the social media channels. Uh, and I'm also co-founder of MAPT, which is a new uh, technology platform helping pre-med students navigate their journey to medical school that I co-founded with Rachel Grubbs. Uh, and we're here with Dr. Scott Wright, who confuses everyone by putting James in his uh, his name, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll fix I'll him try there. To change that. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. That's the uh, the trouble we deal with with you. But we we like having you around. <laughs> so you supposedly know a thing or two about this process. So I know I've got you all shammed pretty well. So. <laughs> uh, well, thanks everyone for coming, hanging out with us. Our first clubhouse room. Uh, we'll be back. I I like doing these because you can just you can just dive in and. And don't have to worry about having yeah. makeup on and everything else, which that which I do. Awesome. I do wear makeup when I'm on video. I got my powder right next to me. I got some touch up stuff. So it's hard. It's cool. a hard life. All right. So I'm going to close the room. Everyone, thanks for being here. All right. Thank Bye, you, everyone. Everybody. Bye. All right. That's it. Tons of great Q&A. Hopefully that was enjoyable for you. Uh, I'm really, really excited for Clubhouse and what that can do connecting people one of the the interesting things that I've noticed on, on Clubhouse is how excited I am for the amount of diversity on the platform. It, there are a lot of, especially on the pre-med world, obviously, where I'm hanging out, a lot of underrepresented in medicine students. And so obviously we need them. So it's an awesome platform for myself and for anyone else to connect with them. So go check it out. Uh, Clubhouse, again, is the application that we recorded on. And uh, it's it's iPhone only, as far as I know right now. I, I know I just listened into the developers. They had a little town hall. They are actively working on an Android app, but it's it's iPhone only for now, or iOS only. You can do it on your iPad uh, somehow. So go check it out. Again, Clubhouse is the app. And and don't forget, um, our episodes are, are now sponsored by Blueprint with the MCAT Minute. I want to take a second to talk about the MCAT. Obviously, as I'm recording this, it's the beginning of February. If you haven't heard yet, the AAMC released how they're now going to do registration for the MCAT, at least for this upcoming cycle. I applaud the AMC for trying something different. Obviously, historically, what happens is MCAT registration opens up for everyone at the same time, no matter where you are in the world uh, or in the US, obviously, for what we're dealing with. And, and the platform crashes every time. And so what they're doing now is they're splitting up the country into two zones. And for the most part, it's just, uh, I haven't stared at the map long enough, but just eyeballing it and go go look. Uh, they're tweeting about it. They're emailing about it. It's on their website. For the most part, everything east of the Mississippi is one day. Everything west of the Mississippi is another day. Uh, everything opens up at 12 Eastern, I believe. Um, so go check that out. Um, and that's that's the MCAT Minute from Blueprint. Go check out blueprintprep.com. Amazing 
live online course that is now live where you can go and have on top of their amazing course that they created last year for the MCAT, you get live teachings with two instructors at a time with scheduled courses, scheduled classes. And if you have any sort of conflict or anything, you can reschedule those classes. Gives you a little bit more accountability, a little bit more structure on your journey to the MCAT. Again, go check it out, blueprintprep.com. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.